super thirsty. A denim on denim ensemble. When in doubt, ask Jeeves. Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Eliza Ora. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Lorena Rose. We're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time and spoiler free. Today, we are discussing season one, episode four, Leaving Normal. According to IMDb, this is the one where, although Max has decided he must stay away from Liz, he helps her say a final farewell to her comatose grandmother. According to me, this is the one where the show takes a pretty alarming stand on some serious matters of metaphysics and theology. This episode was written by our old pal Jason Katims and directed by Chris Long. This is the only Roswell episode that Chris Long directs, but you may recognize his name as a recurring director and co-executive producer on Gilmore Girls, Ooh. or as a producer on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, in which Dean Cain was a hunky hunk and nothing else mattered. I loved that show. That was like my first TV obsession. Mm-hmm. This episode originally aired on the 27th of October, 1999, which means we could have had a Halloween episode instead of this nonsense. <laughs> if only. A Halloween episode would have been an improvement. Yes. So I was really... I don't even want to say confused, because I understand what's happening in the intro. Liz is writing in her diary. She's telling her diary her name every single time. And I understand this as a television device, but within the logic of the show, it makes no sense. Is she worried her diary will have forgotten her? Is she planning to publish this later in like a serialized form in some magazine? Does she just want to make it easier for anyone who might go snooping around her room to be sure that it's hers? Why, 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 every time do we get a sappy voiceover with an introduction? Dear Diary, here's who I am. Did you forget me? I think the answer is yes. The Diary may have forgotten her. So then we promptly go to the restaurant. Where there is finally another Latinx person. Yay, Jose! Although he does blow that weird little creepy smooch to Maria, which I don't love. Ew, she is a teenager. He is not a teenager. Nope, definitely not. This is also a great example of no one knowing how to manage a restaurant. The diner is super busy. There's not enough coverage. Somehow there's one booth conveniently open for Max to slide into so he and Liz well, can make googly eyes. Yeah, when a place is really busy, a booth is not for a single patron. No. You sit at the counter. Yeah, it's it's not cool. Booths are for parties of two or more. And it doesn't seem like they have a host or hostess to like walk them over. Like Max just walks in and sits down and is like, no, this is fine. There must just be like a go seat yourself sign at the front. I guess, but we do have a huge crowd because there are all these orthodontists in town who really love Liz's magnificent overbite. Also super creepy. Yes. They, like, cast the creepiest dudes possible to be those orthodontists. I have two things to say about this. One is that they ask Liz to see her overbite, which is weird. She shows them for about a second and then stops showing her teeth to just weirdly (laughs) gawk at Max over in his booth. And is just showing just her face gawking for a while. And none of them are like, wait, can we, you're not, you're not showing your teeth anymore. Can we see your overbite? She just stops showing it. And then she promptly walks over to serve Max, even though the diner's super busy. And there's probably other people that need their orders taken first. Yeah. Also, this main orthodontist guy who was speaking to her looked very familiar to me. So I Mm. looked him up. His name is Paul Hayes. He's been in very many things, including Parks and Rec, Six Feet Under, but most importantly, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (gasps) Who was he in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? He was in two episodes of the fifth season, so I'm not going to get into details in case we have any listeners of Buffering who listen to this. I'm not, you know, we don't want to get past the point where Buffering's at, but uh, 
if you are watching along with Buffering, keep an eye out because you will see him in the fifth season. Ooh, I'm so excited. I will keep my eyes peeled. I didn't recognize him, but I think that's because he's just a generic looking white dude. Yes, this is true. So Liz and Max have this pretty cute exchange where Max is like, I'll just have an alien blast. And Liz goes, me too. (laughs) Oh, buddy. Super thirsty. Oh, buddy. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. So naturally, the jocks who are spying on Max are like, oh, yeah, that's definitely the guy. Liz is definitely flirting with that guy. So they... Uh, lure him into the alley. I don't know why he's in the alley because there is always so much street parking in front of the Crashdown Cafe. Max has never once parked anywhere that he has to walk down an alley to get to, but this time he does. Yes. And what I have to say about these dudes is they're talking about him like they don't go to a small high school and like literally already know who he is. Right. Would they just be like, oh, there's Max Evans? Yeah. So in the alley are also two other guys who I guess have just been waiting there because they weren't in the diner. Their friends were just like, we're going to go in and get some food. You wait here (laughs) until we come out and then we'll wait with you for whenever the guy comes out and then we'll beat him up together. And Max has stayed until the diner is closing because there's someone on the waitstaff who's stacking chairs and tables outside. Is he going to chain them down or are they just leaving them unchained all night? Maybe it's a safe little neighborhood. I mean, there was a shooting in the first episode, so it's not that safe. This is true. So I thought it was really cute that Max goes to Michael when he is injured, but also kind of dumb because Isabel just seems like a much better choice for this kind of thing. She is more level-headed, and also she already lives at his house. It's not like he's hiding this from his parents because he says he's going to just let the wounds heal. So I don't understand why he goes to Michael, who in previous episodes, he's been kind of a jerk about talking about how Michael is just such a hothead and he takes action and you can't tell him anything. But they need some sexy bro dude time. And Michael is really cute when he's angry. I know. It's adorable. It's just dumb. It's true. He's being so protective. I kind of think Max just likes being in this place where he can tell Michael what to do. Like, he wants Michael to have this reaction so that he can be the one who's like, hey, man, let's calm down. We can get through this together and just be in control. That's also possible. Yeah. Like, he likes to be the voice of reason to Michael's chaos. Also, I think it's really funny because I feel like every silly teen sci-fi show I watch Whenever anybody is injured, they always have the same scratch on the same part of their cheek. It's always on their upper cheekbone like that. Has anyone ever noticed this? I mean, I guess that's where you get punched. I don't know. I've never been punched in the face, thankfully. So I can't speak from experience. But it's like whether they're punched, whether they like fell, whether it's like a car accident on the hundred, it's always, no matter who the character is, no matter what the injury is, always a scratch on the upper cheekbone. Maybe that's just where it interferes the least with their natural good looks that they don't want to cover up too much. Yeah, it's (laughs) got to be something like that. So we go to school where Liz is just hovering near Max's fourth period PE class. She wants to make the nice with him and he's just kind of like, whatever, man. And thankfully, Maria has Max's schedule memorized somehow. Yeah. Because she totally recognizes that Liz is standing outside and she says, Max has PE fourth period. It's like, Maria, how do you know that? Yeah, this must be a holdover from episode two, the one with all the surveillance, where they just all learned each other's secrets. Yeah. (laughs) They were all spying. They all know everything about everybody. Yeah. And I think at this point, we have established that Liz is pretty smart. And she says what happened. And Max is just like, I fell. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. What? Do you think she's going to buy that? Um, Also, his face already looks so much better. Yeah. Maybe he has some sort of super healing, even if he doesn't actively control it. Like a slayer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or a vampire. Ooh. Yeah, I just felt like that through this whole episode, that things healed way too fast. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how many days have passed? Because this looks like way too much better already to be letting it heal naturally. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. So after this little exchange between Max and Liz, Kyle conveniently pops up to confirm that he and Liz are going on a date. And this is the first time in this episode that I was like, Liz, what is wrong with you? You know you're into Max. 
you have already decided you have feelings for him, stop stringing Kyle along. What are you doing? If you're not into him, just tell him you're not into him and be done with it. Well, I think we're about to get there. (laughs) Yeah, it just takes her too long. I think it's okay, you know, if you're into two people, as long as you're you have to be honest clear about with it. both of those people. You know, if you haven't specified exclusivity with them, I think it's fine to date two people. But that being said, you have to be mindful of people's feelings. Yes. And she is obviously not being mindful of Kyle's feelings. No. And I think Kyle has made it clear that he sees their relationship a little bit differently. Yeah. And I don't think Liz should have to, you know, adapt herself to what Kyle wants. But she knows that they have different ideas of what the relationship is. So she needs to talk to him about it. Yeah. She has not communicated her expectations or like her perception of what is going on between them to him. So yeah, all this she is needs not to do fair. is say, hey, I don't want to be exclusive, or I think I'm interested in other people, or I just want to let you know, I actually don't like you, and I don't know why I'm hanging out with you, but I want to continue using you for your super hot bod. Yeah. <laughs> Some honesty. Direct, right? honest communication. Right. In every relationship. In the books, she's, like, not dating him at all. Like, well, he's oh, barely really? a sideline character in the books. Wow. Huh. I mean, like, at the very beginning of the first book, they're like, oh, here's this guy that I had a little bit of a fling with this summer, and then that's pretty much it. Hmm. Interesting. So, in this episode, we are not too far, I think, after the events of episode two, and yet, in the intervening time, Michael has learned how to perfectly control his powers. Yay! With no explanation. Yep. That is a great point. (laughs) Yeah, he bumps into this jock whose chest glows red where Michael has touched him. And it seems like, gosh, if he didn't have control over his powers, this could have had some really terrible side effects. Like, what if he had melted all the guy's chest hair or the guy's lungs? Or lit the shirt on fire? Or Yeah, so Michael has poison ivy powers. He is Uma Thurman. <laughs> Perfect. Which is new information. Um, I really like this use of his powers. He's using them recreationally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also vindictively. Yes. <laughs> but to great amusement to us and him. Yeah. But yeah, that's a really good point. All of a sudden, he like can harness his powers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Total control. All of a sudden. In episode two, Michael had a really hard time welding or unwelding the barred window to the sheriff's office and in this episode he seems to have great control where he just welds the lock on kyle's locker shut and i want to know what kind of supernatural welding classes michael has been taking maybe max has just been giving michael some private tutoring sexy time together to like refine his skills after episode three yeah let's hope i'm wondering also if like and this is probably a long shot and me giving them too much credit and where credit is definitely not due. But, um, you know, we had these ideas of how maybe it has to do with his mental stability and emotional stability. And I'm not saying that he's more emotionally stable right now, but with his feeling like protective of his friend and being closer with Max and maybe he was able to kind of channel that anger and that more directed focused energy instead of just being like chaotic and not really knowing who he is and where he comes from and all that energy. This is more focused. I don't know. That makes sense to me. Maybe his deep and overwhelming love for Max has just given him these superpowers. Exactly. What do, what do the fans call that ship, the M&M? There are so many M&Ms because everyone has generic white person looks and generic white person names. Um, are they the peanut M&Ms? I don't know. We'll have to look this up. <laughs> Who are Michael and Max shippers? Tweet at us. Let us know. <laughs> So we finally get to meet Liz's grandma, who in an earlier scene in this episode, she has told Maria that her grandma is like the basis of my existence. Quite literally. I mean, if grandma didn't exist, then parents couldn't (laughs) exist, then Liz couldn't exist. This is fair. This is fair. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, Grandma thinks that Liz has blossomed from a child into a beautiful woman since last year when she saw her. This is nice. It's a little creepy, but whatever. It's fine. I have to interject some musical notes here, though. Oh, please. Before we get to Grandma and Liz Mm -hmm. blossoming. So we we did already mention that when the DVDs and the streaming rights were done, that they didn't have the same music. But it just is, like, super evident here if you are into music at all, I guess. So in the books, they speak multiple times about how Liz's dad is a Rolling Stones fan. And if he's in a good mood, he's going to be listening to the Stones. So we have this scene where Liz's dad has the radio on, and it is definitely not the Rolling Stones or even anything else vintage feeling. And so I got curious... And so what originally played in the original episode when it aired on TV was um, the song The Weight by... Oh. oh. By the band. Yeah, by the band, mm-hmm. um, which, okay, another, like, cool vintage song. But what plays in the DVDs, I was like, this is, like, way too modern. It's a song that came out in 2003, so probably around the time that the DVDs <laughs> were released. They just, like threw in whatever they could get their hands on apparently it's a song called leaving trains by james william hindle and it's like a nice like mellow tune but it just like as someone who read the books and then like so knew that he liked the rolling stones and then knew that the music had been changed i had to like do research on this and it just pissed me off so they put a song that wasn't even out yet yeah, she's like, oh, you're listening to them still? And he's listening to a future song. Yes, a song future. that hasn't been released for four years. It's just weird. Yeah, so it seems like Liz and her grandma have a much better relationship than Liz's dad and grandma. And there's also this moment where Grandma Claudia and Liz are going upstairs and Uh, Grandma Claudia invites Liz's mom, and she looks really surprised, and then Liz is not into it, and mom ends up backing off, and so I was wondering if Liz maybe doesn't have a great relationship with her mom, and if we're going to see this play out. That's definitely the way it makes it seem, for sure. And then Grandma Claudia also, like, she was writing a book, and Liz asks her if she's finished it since last time they saw each other. Do they not talk on the phone or, like, send birthday cards or anything? She just is like, I don't know what's happened in your life since a year ago. Maybe Grandma Claudia doesn't know how to use a phone. (laughs) Yeah, that seems possible. She seems pretty hip, though. She does seem hip, but Grandma Claudia has published an article on the first findings of the Navajo Indians in hundreds of years, to which I say, what are you even talking about? The Navajo are still around. So what findings is this white woman doing and publishing? And like, how is she getting onto Navajo land and just digging up their artifacts? What does this mean? There are 300,000 members of the Navajo Nation at the time of the 2000 census. What on earth is this woman doing? They also, the Navajo have 27,000 square miles of territory in Arizona, Utah, and New Mexico. And I guess grandma was just like, screw you, I'm going to dig up your crap. I don't know. I just think the writing in the show is really lazy. They should have done more research on this because it doesn't make any sense. I think they're banking on 16-year-old you not realizing that it doesn't make any sense. Okay. But the show was written by grownups and like they could have yeah. looked on Ask Jeeves and found some things out, you know? When in doubt, Ask Jeeves. I, for one, am glad that 30-year-old you is watching now and not just taking their word for it and questioning this shit. <sighs> oh, I'm going to have several of these moments in the course of this episode because the research on this was real lazy. Good. I'm glad. I will say I enjoyed Grandma's advice giving. She takes Liz really seriously. Like Liz is talking about her feelings and love. And I think that there's a lot of times this thing where adults don't take teenagers' feelings seriously. And Grandma is just like, yeah, this is this is important. It's real. It's what's going on in your life. I want to hear about it. I think it's nice. I liked that, that she was like having a real conversation with her and listening to her. But I didn't so much enjoy her advice giving, like her saying, if it isn't complicated, he probably isn't a soulmate. Yeah, that was awful. What? Don't give her that advice. Like, I would like to think that a soulmate is a person that you just like fall in with so naturally that it feels like you've always known them. 
whether that's a platonic soulmate or a romantic soulmate. It's just a person that you meet them and they just, you fit together. Yeah, so I don't like the idea that we're just pushing this agenda of like, romantic relationships have drama and that's what makes them good and exciting. I think that a more extreme version of this is what leads a lot of people and particularly women to stay in relationships that can be abusive because we've been conditioned to believe that that's just the way things are and that's the way men are and you just have to do, you know, you have to go with it because they're worth it. Right. You know, they're just showing passion. They're just passionate people. Yeah. So I think we see this a lot in like in cishet relationships. I think it happens across the spectrum, but this seemed like yeah. a really dumb reinforcement of that narrative. Yes, I really did not like it. Yeah. So luckily Maria comes in to tell us that her haircut, she sees it as kind of like a Meg Ryan style after an electric storm. Ah! Meanwhile, it's a sleek little pixie with bangs. I don't know where any of that feels like it was after an electric storm. I feel like it would have to be spiky to be an electric storm. Yeah. I read that and was like, oh, this sounds like an insult that someone wrote to her or like wrote in a in an article and she was like, screw you, we're going to put it in the show. I thought grandma handled it perfectly when she was like, so like, what do you think? And grandma said, I think it's, it's you. you. Yes. <laughs> and Maria said, she's good. And I was thinking, she really is good. That was t- a yeah. perfect answer. Yeah. <laughs> also, to clarify, I don't have a problem with her short hair. I just like, I don't like the sharp angles of it. It's oh, just, see, I love the sharp angles of it. I don't like the, the shape of it. But I do love her with short hair. I'm just not a fan of that shape of it. I like the blunt little bangs and like the little side points that are coming down on the sideburns. I think it's adorable. Yeah, I mean, she is cute. There's no denying that. I think it's the haircut that she got when she realized she was a little bit gay. Could be. Well, yeah, because that was just last episode. Makes sense. (laughs) It checks out. We get in our in this episode we get our first glimpse at Max working in the UFO museum and when we pan into this scene there is a sign of an alien with braces on it that's welcoming the orthodontists who are in town for this convention and Brendan Fair owns that sign. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he said that he uh, liberated that sign from the set and at one point it was in his house. Yes. Oh my god. I didn't I know that. I also heard that. I, Lorena, I think you and I read the same book. So now yes, we have the same I anecdotes. Think so. <laughs> Max has this weird line about how he's working this job because he's got to feed the monkey. And this sounded gross to me. Yes. Thank you. What the hell? Where do people on this show get their idioms from? <laughs> they are making them up or using them wrong. Like, I Googled way. it and I still don't feel like it's a real thing. Like, I still feel like it's something that they just made up and then somehow made its way onto Urban Dictionary. Yeah, I, like they were watching an episode of Yo! MTV Raps or something, and they're like, that's a cool hip thing to say. Put it in. Yeah, gotta feed the monkey. Oh, <laughs> Like, sounds like an addiction thing almost. It does. But like, what? what I like, don't know. his hot sauce addiction? Ooh, yeah. He's just gonna put that paycheck toward bottles of Tabasco. You <laughs> gotta buy the hot sauce somehow. So Isabel shows up and she hasn't seen him, even though it's definitely the next day. So did he not come home at some point before school to get a change of clothes? Do they not drive into school together because they only have that one Jeep between the two of them? Michael doesn't have a Jeep. So like, what are they? How did this work? And like, Michael's dad doesn't seem like he would just allow Max to sleep over there. Like they would even have the room for that. The logistics. Yeah. And, like, Max's parents, like, would they let Max or Isabel, like, stay out on a weeknight? I feel like not. Like, no, probably where not. are their parents? Yeah. I appreciate Isabel in this scene when Max tells her this dumb story, being like, hey, no, I deserve better than this. You need to tell me the truth. I can handle it. I like that she stands up for herself and is just yeah. like, I'm not going to take your dumb story. I'm not some little girl. Talk to me like a human. Or an mm-hmm. alien, excuse me. <laughs> Okay, I want to talk about Liz and Kyle walking back from the video store. Did y'all go to video stores when you were growing up? What video stores did you have? What were your favorite rentals? Tell me everything. I mean, I think I mostly went to Blockbuster. We had Blockbuster, but we always went to Hollywood Video because it was closer to our house and we could walk there. 
Um, I lived out in the country, so about a mile up the country road and like then about 100 yards on the country highway, there was a little local video store. And like, that's the first place I remember being allowed to walk to by myself. It was called Star Video. Cool. Cool. Um, and then I like I don't remember, you know, I'm sure we got a lot of different videos from there. But I also am sure we got the same videos many times. Oh, yes. And I know that I watch Grease a lot and Now and Then and Newsies. Oh, nice. Oh, I loved Now and Then. We watched a lot of uh, whatever Muppet movie was out at the time. Nice. Just yes. all Muppets all the time. Yes. That's mm-hmm. what I remember. I approve. <laughs> but the movie that Kyle and Liz seem to have picked up is <laughs> Massacre at Sunset Village, which yeah. Kyle claims is a modern day classic. Uh-huh. And I found nothing about. So I'm not oh, sure I think that it that does is not exist. Real movie. But I like that he says it's got something for her grandmother because the serial killer hones in on this retirement community. He's so thoughtful. She's so just looking out. Kind. Also, oh my gosh, he looks adorable in his little cowboy getup. It's so cute. <laughs> he is in the Southwest, so. But their excitement is short-lived. Mm, yeah. Because they see an ambulance at the crash down as they're arriving. Yeah. And when the ambulance gets to the hospital, they are all there with the stretcher when Grandma is being wheeled in. So I want to know, did they all ride in the ambulance with her? Were they hanging on on the outside of the ambulance? Did they drive along next to the ambulance and blow through all the red lights and then just abandon their car in the ambulance bay? What is going on? These are all good questions. It's a really good question. I mean, maybe they all fit. Maybe it's a big old ambulance. I don't think they let you do that. (laughs) The most important part of this scene, however, did y'all notice? Did y'all notice? Octavia Spencer! Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer gets two lines telling Liz's dumb family that they can't come back to doctor land because, no, of course you can't do that, you dum-dums. I got so excited when I saw her. She's so fabulous. I love her so much. And even she can't save this episode with all of her (laughs) goodness and grace. (laughs) This is very true. There's also some doctor babble here that I tried really hard to look into. So if anyone is listening to this and is a medical professional, please tell me if dropping a PT and a PPT and pulling an extra red top are things, because I don't think they're things. But I want to know. They might be things. You're not a doctor. I am a Googler, though. (laughs) Well, I have watched all 15 seasons of ER two times. (laughs) Wow. So let me go back and rewatch that, and I'll see what sense I can make of it. Sounds good. But first and second pass through didn't mean much to me. But also, this doctor has a Latino last name. He does. He does. does. Another Latinx human. Two in one episode. Yes, some more representation. But before the doctor shows up, Liz calls Max for support. He has a direct phone line and she has his number memorized. And she calls him on a pay phone. What are those? I don't know. But Kyle is right there. And I just want her to send him home. Just be like, Kyle, thanks so much. I think I'm going to hang out with my family. I think it would be best if you just go home. Instead of calling Max and being like, I need emotional support. Oh, I mean, don't come here, but I just need you. But don't come, but I need you. I just want to hear your voice or something, is what she said. Also, I wrote in my notes, nice of Kyle to stay at the hospital with them. Then Liz leaves to call her other boyfriend. Yes. Yes. Ridiculous. And Max and his bangs are just sitting there listening to this message as it comes across the machine, thinking, I think I should go there. Yeah. Even though she said don't come, I think I'll go. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Also, so... When Max surprisingly, unexpectedly shows up, the way that they say each other's names, (laughs) they couldn't put more breath into it. Max. Liz. Oh, my goodness. And then Kyle. Yeah. (laughs) And then Max is the first person who can maybe sort of lie a little bit, although Kyle sees right through his lie. No, this scene, I laughed out loud, which I don't think was the intent, but when Max gets into his Jeep, and then the headlights come on, and Kyle is just standing there, like the murderer from that stupid movie he rented. Ah, it's amazing. Amazing. 
It was so a great how moment. did Kyle get there before him? And also without Max seeing him at all until the lights were on. Yeah. I guess yeah. he can apparate or something. Kyle can teleport? Did you not know that? No, I didn't know that. But now I do. So this also, this little talk that Kyle has, like, I get it. It's weird. It's inappropriate. He and Liz said they're casual, but she's also been really clear about what the boundaries of their relationship are. I like that he's really calm. He's telling Max how he feels. But, like, he also just, he can't tell Max just not to hang around Liz because he likes her. That's not his decision to make for either one of them. But I do get where he's coming from, and I have sympathy for him. Yeah, I do get where he's coming from also. He has every right to be upset but not with Max. Yeah, he handles it badly. Uh, I hate, hate, hate this trope of confronting the other guy or the other person. His problem is not with Max. It's with Liz. Liz is the one who is leading him on while also talking to Max. She's the one going into the other room using a payphone to call Max when he's sitting right there. You know, it's like she's, she's the one who has hurt him, not Max. Right. It's the trope of being like, well, you and I, the two men, are the two adults in this situation, so we're going to work this out between us, and the little lady will just go along with what we decide. As if she has no agency. Yeah, so I do get that she's going through a tough time right now, and maybe he doesn't want to burden her with this, so I think it would have been fine if he had been like, hey, Max, look, I just want to know what's going on between you two. I will talk to Liz about this as soon as I feel like it's appropriate, but yeah. I just want to get a sense from you because I really care about Liz and I want to make sure that we are both doing whatever we can to support her, but I feel like I need to know what the situation is. That Yeah, that would be fair. Would have been fine. Would have been fine. Yeah. This would be the nice adult way to handle the situation. Right. Be like, look, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want Liz to get hurt. Can we talk about this? And then we will also talk to Liz. Granted, they are not adults. So Yes. I know. Okay, we can remember that. We can dream of a better place in the yes, world. I want to live in a world where 16-year-old boys are like, let's get together and talk about our feelings. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I can dream that that world can exist in the future. We can hold our standards high if we want to. <laughs> I think Jim Valenti is trying to raise a thoughtful son. And Jim is super thoughtful bringing home Ben and Jerry's. He brings yeah. the good ice cream. There's like no bluebell in this house. Let's just have a nice chat over a pint of ice cream together. And he's wearing a great jout fit. <laughs> denim on top, denim on the bottom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Texas tuxedo. Boom, boom, boom. Isn't that also oh, it's called, funny. A I've heard it called a Canadian tuxedo? Yeah, mm. Canadian tuxedo is what I've heard. Oh, interesting. A denim on denim ensemble. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listeners, let us know what is this thing called in your neck of the woods. I think this is the first time that we're seeing them at home together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I they have a nice house. He, he seems like a good dad. I mean, he sat mm-hmm. down with his son. He was talking with him about his day, noticed that something was up. He was making meaningful eye contact, you know, wanted to talk and see how he was doing. I was impressed. I'm yeah, into it's it. very nice. And then Kyle kind of throws this in his face. He's like, tell me about when things were good between you and mom, if you can remember that far back, which seems crappy. Really? Yeah, that's like a dick move from your son. Right. Like, hey, so I know that you and my mom were just absolutely miserable, remember? But I also wonder if he still sees his mom. We haven't heard from her or seen her yet, and it seems like he lives with Jim full time. Did she, like, abandon them, or did they just divorce and she's far away, or is it just not convenient to the plot for us to see her at this particular time? So Kyle starts talking to his dad, and then he's like, why am I talking to you about this? I'm, like, deranged, which is so funny. Kyle's so funny. Kyle and Max, both funny. Liz, not funny. Kyle and Max should get together if Max yeah. and Michael aren't into each other. I would be down with that. And then Jim, like, totally knows that Max is the guy that Liz is potentially fooling around with. And poor Kyle is like, what? Like, the entire country knows? Which is so heartbreaking Aww. for a teenager to have your dad know about your girl troubles before you've even quite figured it out. Oh, pobrecito. And then the sheriff is saying to Kyle, I don't want you around him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a bad guy. He's you know, dangerous. He, he might kill you with a white handprint the way that he 
saved Liz. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> but that guy died once 40 years ago. Yeah. What? What? He doesn't have any proof of anything. I do want to take a second to talk about this little tiny scene where Michael changes the answers to one of the jocks tests because uh-huh. I, of course, screenshot this and the jocks original answers, the answers that Michael changed the test to and then Michael's own answers are all 100% completely different. So what? <laughs> Either. So the jock and Michael put down all different answers for every single question except the last two. So one of them did really poorly on this test regardless. If Michael had the correct answers and the jock had the wrong answers, Michael didn't need to do that. No, just leave him. If the jock had the correct answers, then Michael had the wrong answers, then Mm -hmm. how would he know what to change the jock's answers to if he has no idea what's correct and what's not? Yeah, I think they're all just getting zeros on this test regardless. (laughs) (laughs) No one knows anything. Or like... Maybe he just got the guy an A by coincidence. Yes. <laughs> uh, Michael's not as diabolical as he thinks he is. No, but I think it's all recreational. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? It's all part of the agreement. Only recreational use of powers allowed. I still think you should just use it all in tacos. All the time. Always tacos. Yep. Always tacos. Um, I mean, I don't think it has to be tacos. Like... Yeah, it could be burritos. Pizza needs melted cheese. Yeah. Nachos. Queso. Queso. Fondue. Chili cheese dog. Enchiladas. Yeah. Yep. You got it. Great. Mandy, does it help if we name every food with cheese that we can think of for the next 22 minutes? (laughs) (laughs) This scene in the hallway with Liz and Max, Liz says her grandmother is so full of life. And I think this is interesting because she actually says it a couple of times during the episode. And it's such a weird thing for a 16-year-old girl to say about anyone, let alone her grandmother. Agreed. It is a weird statement from a young person. And she also tells Max that when her grandmother gets better, she wants him to meet her grandmother, which, like, I don't remember ever being like, hey, I like you so much, you should meet my grandparents. Yeah. I mean, different people have different relationships with their grandparents, but I feel the same way. It's just weird. I am so proud of Max for finally telling Liz she should not have called him. She is being self-centered and not considering that she's putting them all at risk. And also, it's not cool to Kyle. And she finally gets called on it and is just like, what? Yeah, she looks so miffed when she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have called you. And he's like, yeah, you shouldn't have. And it's like, he just confirmed what you already stated to be true. And now you're you're upset. Right. And he reminds her that they already had agreed to stay apart. So what is she thinking? She's not. She's not thinking. And Max is also not thinking when he walks into the bathroom at their high school and just punches the side of a stall with the door closed who anyone could have been inside of. But luckily it was Michael. Sitting on the toilet with his pants up, as you do. What the heck is he doing in there? He might just be contemplating life. Sometimes I like to just, like, hide in the bathroom for a few minutes to get some peace and quiet. I used to do that in high school a lot. I, but did you sit on the toilet seat? It seems so yucky. No, I just, like, hi. I go to the one that only has one. It's like the single-use bathroom and lock mm. the door. Oh, yeah. That's totally different than, like, going to the public bathroom, picking a stall, and just, like... Having a seat. Sitting and contemplating life. I have a question. Do they have super strength? Because he broke that stall (laughs) all too easily with one hand. Obviously, the school is just in dire need of repairs and updating. It is a public high school. Maybe it's not very well maintained. It wasn't even bolted to the floor. Also, I really enjoy Michael using his powers for pranks. Yes. For some reason, I just like it tickles me. I like it. But I think it's silly that Michael thinks that he's going to cheer Max up by showing him the pranks he's been pulling after Max explicitly told him not to pull these pranks and also seems like the person who would not enjoy this in any way at all. Yes. True. But we get some great Yahoo product placement. Yes. Yes. All the cool kids had Yahoo stickers on their lockers. I had to look this up because 
I was like, was Yahoo relevant in 1999? So Yahoo came out in 1994 and Google came out in 1998. So Yahoo was maybe already oh. feeling the stress and the pressure to stay relevant. Trying to keep themselves relevant. this ad time on, yeah, to keep relevant with the youths because Google was already <laughs> bursting onto the scene. My first email address that would have been in 99 probably was Washington underscore 222 at yahoo.com. Nice. I never had a Yahoo email address. So here they made us try to think that teenagers would purposely put stickers that say Yahoo on their <laughs> lockers. Yes. Also, are you allowed to have stickers on the outside of your lockers? This seems like you would get in trouble for defacing school property. We were not, I don't think. Not technically, but there was a lot of graffiti on the lockers. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the outside of the locker is where people graffiti mean things onto your locker. Uh, Um, And the inside is where you decorate. Bummer. So Kyle also sees Max after he's had this little tiff with Michael, where Michael's like, I don't trust anyone anymore. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. That's fair, Michael. Max walks out into the hallway, and then Kyle turns around to see Max just staring at him as he's struggling to open the locker. And I don't think that helps anything. No. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for setting that up. So Maria is a much better friend in this situation. She's stroking Liz's hair. It's really cute. She's telling her she should go home and eat junk food and watch Rosie. It's pretty adorable. I used to love watching the Rosie O'Donnell show after school. Mm -hmm. Oh, Rosie. And she called everybody a cutie patootie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Liz says she has a weird feeling from Max like he's pulling away. But, like, what do you mean a weird feeling like he's pulling away? He told you. (laughs) You guys had a conversation. And then he referred back to that conversation about how you guys were going to take space from each other. Maria, I have this weird feeling that Max is doing the exact thing that we've talked about doing multiple times. What's up with that? I I think he's actually doing it. Also, why aren't they in class right now? Do they have a free period? The bell rings and then all the students come. This is the space where they go when they're skipping class. It's the same space that they were in in the last episode uh, when Isabel and Maria were skipping class for a different reason. They were all just hanging out in this area. It's like the get out of class free spot. Yeah. Like, it looks like it's a student lounge or something. But like, wouldn't teachers notice if you were there and you weren't supposed to be? I don't know. They don't yeah. have to go to class, apparently. This school is not well run. The Crashdown Cafe is not well run. Maria is there alone with Agnes, who is the literal worst, and I can't imagine why they would employ her. And what is a bacon basket? <laughs> I need to know these things. What comes in it besides a pile of bacon? Lord only knows. Hopefully some cholesterol medication. So Maria's totally overwhelmed. She's sniffing probably her cypress oil to calm herself down. And then Isabel happens by with two friends, one of whom is in this shiny leather jacket and shiny leather pants. And I think this is further proof that Isabel totally has queer friends and she and Maria are secretly involved. And I think this is backed up when Isabel tells Maria, I thought we agreed that you would never address me until we've established complete privacy. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much authority Maria has because she asks Isabel to help her wait tables. And it doesn't seem like she should be able to just hire people. Yeah. And what makes what makes her think about any of the interactions she's had with Isabel that Isabel would help her? Yeah. Isabel is clearly not a service-oriented person, as she reminds Maria. And then I don't know why Maria thinks that saying, oh, it's not for me, it's for Liz, would sway her. Like, why would she want to do that? She wants Liz and Max to stay away from each other. It would make more sense for her to be like, hey, so you know how we like making out with each other? Maybe help me out, yeah? Right, like, do it for me, your private girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And then we get the next moment. When I say to the writers, Yahoo existed, now we know Google existed, why did you not look anything up on the internet? This story that Jeff <laughs> is telling Liz about the time her grandmother was hiking Yosemite, came across someone deer hunting, citizen arrested him and his brother and their buddy, and drags them into the sheriff's office, it made national news because it's so ridiculous. It doesn't matter if it's deer season or not, in most national parks, including Yosemite, you can't hunt. 
How did she get these people to go with her? They say they have guns. How did this work? Did they walk? Did she drive them? Why and where is she going to the sheriffs? There are park rangers whose entire job is law enforcement inside of the parks. The sheriff's office would be outside of this, so it would be a super long drive away. None of it makes any sense. The National Park Service advises that if you see illegal activities, including hunting, write down the license plate number and a description and tell them do not march up to drunk dudes with guns and be like, I'm an old lady, you're under arrest. So I think what actually happened is that she somehow kidnapped these dudes and this is the real story that they're trying to tell. (laughs) I thought the story made her sound like a badass. Anyway, Liz again says that her grandmother was so full of life, but she knows that she's being irrational. And I think it's real cute that she pronounces this word irrational multiple times. Real cute. And she and Maria get to tell each other that they love each other, which is one rare example of Liz actually being a decent friend. Also, now who is running the crash down if Maria is at the hospital with her? And Isabel hasn't started working there yet. Don't know. Good question. Also a good question is how hot can Michael make things? Because the janitor at Kyle's locker says that the locker door melted. Lockers are usually made of steel and the melting point is around 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. So... It's like, it's what I'm saying is it's a very, very strong power that he can control very, very well. And he was not able to do that a few episodes ago. So he got a crash course in alien powers somehow. Mm -hmm. And why did they leave that out for us to see? he and Max totally did it. And he somehow absorbed his powers through osmosis. Yeah. I like that version. More likely. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So that's settled. It's now canon. (laughs) So I love seeing Isabel in a crashdown uniform. Mm-hmm. I like seeing Isabel in anything. Anything <laughs> that she wears. Yes. And has health frozen over because I saw Isabel be nice for a sec. She was. Yeah, she's really good at empathizing. Yeah, she's like encouraging Max to reach out to Liz. She could use someone to talk to, she said. She's got layers. And she gets this fun line of wish me luck, or should I say wish the orthodontist luck? Yeah. Yeah. And then we find ourselves at the crashdown where Isabel's friends suck, Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah, they tell her that image means everything and she is bringing them down, which like, dude, come on. Can they see her in this uniform? She's not bringing anybody (laughs) down. Like, look at her. Yeah, so she needs to start choosing Maria and that group of friends over these old crappy friends, but maybe, like, borrow the old crappy friends' wardrobes because they dress a lot better. Yes. She's also using her powers a lot, kind of out in the open, which seems a little risky. She heats up the burger, and then she heats up the coffee, and I'm pretty sure people can see her. She just took the burger to the next table. (laughs) I kind of love it, though. Like, she does not give a fuck. Also, Maria is totally down with the recreational powers now. She sees how convenient they are. Well, I would imagine she's gotten a taste of them in some of their private encounters. Yeah, I think she actually likes them a lot. Mm -hmm. And then we get into the first hint of what I think is some like really intense metaphysical theological stuff where... Max says that he saved Liz because something was happening to her that wasn't supposed to happen. It was before her time. And I want to know what the heck. How did he know it was before her time? Who decides what her time is? Do we all have times? Is this fate? Uh What is going on? Yeah. These are a lot of deep questions. What makes that event before her time and this stroke not before grandma's time? Right. Like, does Max have access to a ledger somewhere? And so he says he can't just heal people he's not God, which makes it seem like there are some sort of rules that he's somehow aware of, even though he doesn't know any other aliens, adult aliens, or whatever you want to call them. So I don't understand how he figured this out. Does he just know this intuitively? Yeah, I feel like there are two ways to know rules. Either someone told you the rules, or you learned them by, like, testing things out. And, like, how many people has he tried to save that he, like, learned these rules? But it seems like none, right? Because they all make such a big fuss about how this is the first time with Liz. It's the first time that he did anything like this. So how does he know? What is this show's theology? 
Does it mm-hmm. have a coherent logic? Or were they just going, this is cool, let's write it? Guess you're going to have to keep watching to find out, Lisa. Yeah. So I will say, I hated this episode a lot, but I have enjoyed yeah, but like other episode episodes either. of the show. So I'm very down on this episode, but I have hope for the future of the show, especially if they give us more Maribel episodes. Cool. I think we were talking about this before we started recording, but I have heard that this is like literally one of the worst rated episodes of the entire series. So I think there is a lot of room for it to go up from here. Great. <laughs> There's also a lot of room for Kyle to come back and have a talk about toxic masculinity with his friends once they finally tell him that they're the ones who beat up Max. He does just call them idiots and he walks away. But I hope that they go back and they have a heart to heart and they talk about healthy expressions of masculinity and teenagehood and all the emotions that they've got going on. I'm sure that'll happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what 16-year-old boys do in their spare time, right? Yeah, yes, totally. absolutely. If you're a 16-year-old boy listening to this, write it and tell <laughs> us. What are your favorite topics for deep emotional conversations with your bids? Oh, and Kyle, poor Kyle, is walking right into heartbreak. He... Goes to Liz, which I appreciate that he goes to Liz. I really think he should have gone and apologized to Max, because in this case, Max is the person he should talk to. Max is the one who was wronged by this. But I like that he goes and he tells Liz, like, those guys are degenerates. He didn't know they were going to beat up Max. So he calls them degenerates, but then when Liz is mad about it, then he calls them good guys. I know. (laughs) I know. And then he's mad at her for getting like this, which is super unreasonable yeah what for getting mad that people beat up a dude who did absolutely nothing except sit in a restaurant and talk to the waitress yeah i have a lot of feelings on both sides of this because liz has been so disrespectful to kyle i think it's good for him to finally get angry but the way that he expresses it isn't right and so i do appreciate that he just asks her if she and max are together which is really sad And Liz says they're not, but, like, you can tell Kyle knows there's something going on there. There's something she's not telling him. Yeah. And it just, like, he's been so betrayed, and it's sad. Yeah, she's really not been truthful with him throughout all of this. she has not at all. And then she says, and neither are we, which is not a nice way to break up with someone. No. No, it's really not. Or to end things, whether they were officially together or not. It's ending whatever is going on between them. And that is not the way to do it. No. And I'm sure it further feeds into his suspicions that there's something else going on with Max. Because she goes into the hospital and she's clearly going to go and like hang out with him and uh, just move on immediately. And in the next scene, I hate Liz more than I have maybe ever hated her. She goes into the room where I also don't know what I see you there in, where you can just visit whenever you want because it seems like it's pretty late at night but i don't know if any of y'all have spent a lot of time in a hospital either as a patient or visiting someone but it is so hard to get any sleep and liz walks in and her parents are sound asleep and she wakes them up and it's completely unforgivable yeah Mm. i have spent a lot of time in hospitals and i literally had to be medicated to get any sleep (laughs) Yeah, it's the worst, and her parents are just cool with it. They're like, oh, thanks for bringing us coffee. We'll go outside. And no, no, this isn't how any of this works. So her grandma is intubated, but there are no machines that are beeping or anything. Since we mentioned ER, that's one of the things I appreciated about that show was that there's always something beeping because that's how it is in hospitals. There is always something beeping. Always. There's nothing beeping here. And Max just walks in, which... So this ICU has no visitor's hours. You can just come and go. There's no one to check in. You can visit whoever you want, whenever you want. Yeah, definitely not how ICUs work. Where is Octavia Spencer? I feel like Octavia Spencer would be on point. She would be like, no, 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 you cannot go back there. But Max decides he's going to help Liz say goodbye. And then this is the part that I was like, what, what? What? Yeah. What is going on here? So Liz's grandma, like, astral projects or something, but, like, she can also make physical contact with Liz. I was so uh, flabbergasted 
by what was happening here. And this here. is all after it appears that Max is unsuccessful in doing anything to help. Like, it almost to me felt like he tries, but he sees that she's already brain dead because he can't make any sort of connection. And he's like, I'm sorry, I can't, like... But then she just can astral project, so he didn't really need to be there at all, because that seems like it's all her own doing. Yeah, it's bizarro land. And then Liz uses this time to say what she wants to say to her grandma. And, like, in none of this does it seem like Liz even remotely considered that this is her dad's mom, and maybe she should try to, like, get a message or, like, say something like, hey, I know dad really loved you, or anything to give her grandmother peace or in any way think about anyone other than herself and what she wants in this moment. Maybe if there's anything she meant to put in her will that she forgot, (laughs) or any legality. (laughs) Would you like to issue a deathbed apology to the Navajo? Right? (laughs) But good point. Although I I thought that it was something that Max did. I thought it was like related to something Max did. Also, it was unclear to me whether Max could see her or not. I don't know. So Max is holding her hand the whole time, and then he lets go when she dies. So I think he could see her, or at least knew something was going on. Yeah, I could. I, it seemed like he knew that they were having their interaction or whatever, but I couldn't tell if he if he could see her and like hear their conversation. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But suddenly the machines are plugged in, and they beep, and then Grandma dies, and Liz's dad doesn't get to say goodbye, and it's kind of a huge bummer. And then Max is dropping Liz off back at the crash down. So, like, did her parents stay behind at the hospital to do paperwork? Why are they not also going home? That actually sounds like a plausible yeah. answer to me. I guess, but then she's just going to be home alone, feeling all sad and depressed. Like, it would have made more sense for them to stay together as a family. Yeah, or have Maria with her. Whatever. Yeah. Her parents were just like, oh, you broke up with Kyle, and now there's this new boy that you want to drive you home. Whatever. They're a little distracted. Their mother and mother-in-law just died. (laughs) Yeah, no, fair for them to be distracted. This all just seems like a weird setup just to give Liz and Max an excuse to be alone so that she can tell us that when you follow your heart, you leave normal. And once you do, you can never go back. Also, why did he put his finger over her mouth? I don't know. Shush. He couldn't just say, you don't have to thank me. Like, he didn't have to touch her face for that. He could have just said, no thanks needed. (laughs) Like, you don't have to physically shut her up for that. (laughs) I also, I really like the cool shot at the end where they're hugging and then we're pulling up on the flashing lights of the sign above the crash down. But I was also like, oh my gosh, what is their electrical bill if they just leave that sign on all night? There's been other times where it's been off at night. So So maybe they forgot in all the confusion and the hustle and bustle of going to the hospital. Whatever, it's a cool shot. Yeah, it's been a tough night for their family. And for us, for making it through this episode. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I watched it more than once. Yes. It was I, not yep. the best. Me too. Watched it three times to yeah, prepare for this right? recording. <laughs> yeah, it was a bummer. Here's hoping for better episodes in the near future. I feel like they're coming. They're a-coming. So this was a tough one. Do you guys have a pick for Hot and Saucy? Oh. <sighs> I feel like I wrote something down, but now I can't find it. The only thing I could come up with was, of course, Isabel in that crash-down uniform. Well, it's looking pretty obviously. good. And her friend in that full leather outfit. I mean, I think I found it, and I remember. It does have to do with Isabel being in the uniform, but not just being in the uniform. I like how when the this is the saucy element of hot and saucy so when the dude complains that his burger is medium rare she grabs it and she takes it away and she just like puts her hand over it and makes it well done and then she brings it back and she's like i don't know looks well done to me bam that's my specific hot and saucy moment as if he's not gonna notice a major difference between the way it just looked and the way it looks now he's gonna be like wait how did how is it how did you just do that? Um, I also am leaning into the saucy part uh, of hot and saucy. And my pick for this week uh, is Max. And I think that's because I'm just trying really hard not to always pick Isabel because she's just the obvious choice always. Um, when Max finally stands up to Liz and he's like, yeah, you shouldn't have called because I was proud of him. 
I would like to amend mine to add a little shout out for sauciness to, once again, the great Octavia Spencer, making the most of her two-line part to be like, get out of my ER. What are you doing? This is not. Nope. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. The start of an amazing career. All right. Now I think it's time for Lisa's predictions. Uh, Lisa, what do you think is going to happen in the next episode based on the episode title, Missing? Is Liz missing? I would be into that. (laughs) There's just a whole episode where no one's seen Liz and we don't have to see her either. That is my hope prediction wishful thinking yeah i also have a concern that kyle's arc is going to continue and he's gonna be like the jerk jock guy and i don't want that to happen so yeah i'm gonna stay tuned and find out and hope that kyle just wears that little cowboy outfit as much as humanly possible i mean we're in new mexico so i think that that is highly plausible he is pretty cute Thank you for joining us today for our discussion of Leaving Normal, what is quite possibly the worst episode of Roswell. We will be back in two weeks to discuss episode five, Missing. But look out for our new mini-sode next Tuesday, which will be our final episode on the Roswell incident. And in the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and review us to let us know what you think of our podcast. Visit us at roswellhotsauce.com where you can learn more about us and you can find show notes for each and every episode and minisode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at roswellhotsauce. And you can email us at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com if you have any fun facts or information or questions that you would like to share with us. Pass the Hot Sauce is produced and edited by the wonderful Mandy Veloso. Our theme music is by David Belcourt, and our logo was designed by Billy Murray. Until next time, we leave you with a question we constantly ask ourselves. I'm not talking to you about this. I'm like deranged.